You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. I am Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, your host, and as always, joined by my bro, sports, sports, sports grind underscore Don, James Johnson. Hey, buddy, how are you doing today? What's up, everybody? Um, glad to be back once again and, and talk some more football. Uh, it was a uh, a little bit of a quiet week. Uh, me and Phil discussed that before the podcast. So, um, you know, it was a little hard to rally up some topics. But uh, nonetheless, we found some topics at hand to talk about. Um, some exciting topics at that. And um, ready to continue our momentum from our last podcast, which uh, was probably one of our best uh, statistically and just from, from the work we put in on it. Yeah, and if you guys are new to this podcast, and you know, and, and you gave us a listen, and we man, we thank you so much uh, for that support. We we literally, obviously, cannot do this without you, and we do this for you. So if, if you're appreciating that, thank you so much. And you know, any kind of any kind of feedback you guys want to give us, please get at us on our Facebook, on our on our Twitter. We're very accessible. We're on there all the time. Any kind of constructive criticism, things you think we can do better, or anything like that, we will always appreciate that. So, so thank you very much, man, for for making this as uh, we, we tell you every single week the best and go to Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. So, um, as as Jay so eloquently states on our awesome intro, also once again done by uh, our good buddy Eric Michael out here in Dallas, Texas, future super producer. We we thank him so much for that. Um, always make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And, of course, USA Today has added us to their podcast network on Audio Boom, which is awesome. And, Jay, like you said, there wasn't really – it was kind of a quiet week. However, we did scrounge up some topics for us to, to talk about here uh, this evening and – um, we we uh, want to give you guys our our thoughts on a couple things. Uh, one, as far as Shad Khan's hopes to buy Wembley Stadium. Um, also, some predictions as far as what we think Leonard Fournette, uh, as far as uh, future casting, what we want from him next season, and also the depth chart. You know, specifically the receiver group. You know, it's kind of it's it's kind of crowded there, and the, as we've talked about, as we talked about last week, who is going to who we think is going to step up and separate themselves from the pack so you know what jay let's just get right into it here so shad khan came news came out a couple weeks ago that he's looking to buy wembley stadium for just a really a really you know quiet and cheap 1.3 billion dollars that's all you know just gonna he's just gonna open up it's, it's gonna fall out of his wallet i think he's got a he's got a one billion dollar bill in there right. and uh he'll, he'll take care of the rest he'll write a, maybe he'll write a check for the rest you know and hopes that a super bowl could be hosted hosted in london um, and that kind of, it kind of, uh, set off, you know, some, uh, set off uh, a few, a few people in town worried about the team, you know, possibly leaving again, maybe permanently relocating to London. I don't think you and I don't believe that that is going to be the case. However, there was going to be a, we definitely think that this would lead to a, uh, a permanent Jacksonville Jaguar, uh, res, um, as far as, uh, uh, presence there in, in London. So, what do you think this means for the for the future of the Jaguars 
and their longevity in, in Jacksonville. Do you think it's a good thing or should, should people be a little worried? Yeah, I, I first want to say this about uh, what you were saying about, you know, their long term presence over in, in London. Uh, you know, th- there were some hints that the Jaguars, uh, now that I look back at it, wanted to, you know, was moving towards this. At least Shad Khan was because I don't know if you recall, but I, I did an article. It was roughly a year ago, maybe a little less than that on Jags Wire about them looking to build a facility uh, for like their travels when they travel over to London over in London. And um, I forgot the exact site that uh, wrote about it. But, uh, yeah, they were looking into doing the constructing a facility, uh, maybe a facility that could be used by others when, of course, the Jags aren't there, which they won't be for most of the most of the time. But um, so, you you know, like the tea leaves were there in terms of, you know, Khan kind of building up to something like this. But I don't think at the time he knew that he would be, uh, you know, in, in in the running to buy Wimberley Stadium, if you will. But um. In terms of your question, um, that being said, I think that it's a good thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars for many reasons. And I mean, I, I do understand why people are concerned about it, because I mean, yeah, yeah, this does show that, you know, if Jacksonville, if it ever comes down to it and, and uh, the city doesn't give shot con what he wants, you know, there is always a second home out there. But I think this really helps their longevity in Jacksonville, because as uh, me and Phil talked about, and I put in the article about this situation is the better the Jaguars do in London in their, uh, you know, their one trip a year there, uh, the better their, you know, their longevity in Jacksonville would be because Shad Khan will invest that money back into Jacksonville. And I mean, we've seen it before, like the statistics on it. I forgot exactly how much it is, but I think like that game alone brings in like 20% of the Jags revenue. I could be wrong. I forgot the exact numbers on that. Mark Lamping did talk about this, but that game alone brings in a lot of revenue. Uh, It helps their stability in Jacksonville. And, you know, Shad Khan, in my opinion, would just use that money that he would get from, you know, uh, people renting uh, Wimberley from him and, and World Cup events being hosted there and all kind of soccer events and what have you being hosted there. He would use that money, in my opinion, to pour back into net, maybe Everbank Field, as we've seen him do in the past, you know, with, with Daly's place in the locker rooms and the pools. Um, You know, we I know you all remember those renderings where they had a roof um, over Everbank Field. Maybe that could be in the making with, you know, the money that he can make from over there across the pond in London. So I think that from that standpoint, you know, it can help Jacksonville and and the longevity of Everbank Field. And it could help them even like me and Phil talked about this as well. It can even help them get a new stadium because once again, me personally, I've talked about this before. It's going to come a time where Jacksonville needs to buy a new stadium. When you look at the trends of the league and the only old stadiums that are really standing and, and that people want to keep around are the ones like the traditional stadiums that have historic meaning to them. You know, Soldier Field. Um, what's Lambo. Another? Yeah, Lambo. That's another Lambo. <laughs> so, yeah, places <laughs> like that, those are the ones that the, the NFL gravitate towards keeping around. But the other stadiums, you know, it's been a proven factor that, hey, like in time, you know, you, you have to get a new stadium and you have to keep up with the rest of the league. And um, I, I think that might be the case for the Jaguars, not necessarily now, but maybe five, eight years down the road. But, yeah, the money that he's putting into this stadium, if he does win the bid, roughly one point three billion. Um, I guess that's one billion in pounds if you're doing London currency. 
But the money he's putting into that shows that Shad Khan could foot a bill for a stadium in Jacksonville when that time comes, because I think that time might come one day. And uh, it shows that he does have the funds to do so. The money that he gets over there in Wembley can definitely help him to make another stadium here in Jacksonville because he will have to foot a lot of the bill on a new stadium in Jacksonville, in my opinion, when that time comes, which, like I said, is it's probably far out because Jacksonville has shown that they don't like to put too much into into stadium bills in terms of Jacksonville. Everything that Shad Khan has done in terms of the, you know, these renovations and whatnot, in my opinion, I think he's footed most of the bill in all of those projects. And I think a new stadium would be the same thing. So that being said, um, that's where I'm at on it. Um, and I, I don't think we should worry necessarily yet about like a move to London or what have you. But I just think that uh, Shad Khan understands that, you know, uh, this will help the stability in Jacksonville and help to bring in more revenue to keep the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. Yeah, and just just like we were kind of talking about before we got started here, Jay. I mean, uh, for those of for those of the fans that have been in Jacksonville for a long time, uh, the Gator Bowl is it's it's an old stadium. You know, it's been around for a while. The the of course with the with the pools and the and Daly's place and the scoreboards, it looks fantastic. It's it's amazing experience. I Jay, you and I have gone to bat for for Everbank as being maybe the best fan experience in the league. Um, it's it's great. Um, but the yeah. but the foundation of the stadium is old. You know, it's been right. there for a long time. It's been through a lot. We've talked about the issues with the grounds around the stadium and why it's so difficult to build on there because of the pollution, because of things of that nature. I mean, it's been those that that entire area has been tailgated on and and just beaten up for years and the shot you know that they show whenever we're on you know whenever the games are on tv of the stadium and the river you know it's it's beautiful but like where are you going to put that stadium if they're going to build one you know what i mean like you and i have talked about like ponte vedra or saint augustine or something like that mm-hmm. but they like it they like having the stadium yeah, on the river yeah. which is yeah. really which is definitely understandable. I totally, totally get it. But just like you said, the city has been so hesitant to foot any kind of bill for for this team. Um, this is, a, I think, this is all as much as it is a a play for the future of the Jaguars. It's it's definitely a leverage play too for Shot Khan. Like, hey, look, and and this isn't this isn't unique a situation. It's always been the owners versus the te- versus the city. Right. Uh, this happens everywhere, and this is Shot Khan saying, hey, look, you know if. If, uh, uh, you know, if, if you don't give me and right now, we're playing nice, but down the road, I may, you know, I may have a few demands and you guys are gonna have to meet me at least halfway. Right. So, uh, I think this is fantastic for, for the future of the team. Um, I love that the Jaguars have kind of gotten out ahead, gotten ahead of everybody else and, and tried to tell, you know, Europe, Hey, we're your team. You know what I mean? Like that, I think it's awesome because mm-hmm. that the way that that's evolved over time, they love the Jaguars over there. They really do. And, the and Jaguars, if you have, as they call it, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they embrace the team, you know what I mean? So it's, it's great. I, I think this is a very, very good thing. And Jay, you and I, uh, you know, we're trying to make a, make a trip out there to Wembley this, this year. And if, if you, for those of you listening, if you have any tips or uh, where to stay or how to get the best, the best value, the bang for your buck, please let us know. Cause we definitely want to get out there and experience 
uh, experience Wembley and also, you know, knock the crap out of the Super Bowl champions, which we would have done if we had made it to the Super Bowl because right. you know, Miles and, Jack wasn't down. Exactly, so, he wasn't. And uh, referees I, cheated us. <laughs> Tom Brady probably threw some money at him and Bob Kraft, but that's another story. But, you know, <laughs> but we're over it. You know, we're over it. So, um, but yeah, I think this is definitely a, a good thing for, for the team and more revenue and more. And, and also, we have a lot of very, very marketable guys on this team. And um, one thing that one thing that uh, fans have been complaining about for a long time is we don't have a lot of mainstream appeal. But if we're you know if we're if, if this team goes global, which it already has started to do, then hey, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna get plenty of recognition. So um, we will see where that uh, where that goes. And of course, you know we'll keep you up to date on the Jaguars wire as soon as we hear anything anything new. All right, so that's a little bit of off-the-field stuff. Well, what we want to get into now is more of the on-the-field. But before we do, do want to welcome in our buddy Jacob DeLawrence. Uh, welcome uh, welcome back. All three of us haven't been together in a while. He is just returning from a from a difficult day at, at work on the grind. Jacob, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, good. I'm good. I um, just uh, forgot there was construction going through a major road in town. And, yeah, like an idiot. Kind of took about an extra 15 minutes to get home. Yeah, that adulting thing is just the uh, is just the best. But uh, we're glad you you're glad we're glad you were able to make it. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Leonard Fournette. We just touched a little bit on on Wembley Stadium, but Leonard Fournette uh, coming into his his uh, his sophomore year. Um, just to go over his numbers, he had 268 carries, 1,040 yards, averaged 3.9 yards a carry, nine touchdowns on the ground. Also chipped in with 36 36 catches. 302 yards and a receiving touchdown as well. Now, compared to his counterpart, his rookie counterparts last season, um, Alvin Kamara um, uh, obviously had a stellar year, averaging 6.1 yards a carry. Just absolutely nuts. Kareem Hunt, 4.9 um, as well. Um, what's uh, Christian McCaffrey? Not really as much uh, production as we saw from some of the other running backs, 3.7 yards. So, pretty much what we want to know, uh, guys, what do you think would be a good uh, a good stat line for him to have coming into his second year. We've obviously invested a lot of money into the offensive line. For um, we're they, they're going forward with Blake Bortles, which leads us to believe that hey, this we're going to be a running team. What do you think uh, you guys would want to see out of uh, out of Fournette coming into his second year? Yeah, Jacob, you go ahead since you uh, you just came in and, and let us hear your take on this. Uh yeah, Fournette missed um. How many games did Fournette miss last year? About three? Three, if I'm not missed mistaken. The, missed the game with the suspension, and then... Then it was the ankle, the whole ankle, lower body injury. So, yeah, yeah it was well, roughly three. Yeah, he missed about three games. No more than five at the absolute most. And he put up over 1,000 yards, had 270 attempts. Honestly, I expect him, I give him a... I come about 1,300 yards this year. If he stays healthy, we made some improvements to the O-line. Cam Robinson has another year under his belt. The whole line has another year under their belt. Yeah, I give him about 1,300 yards. I say he probably gets around 315 attempts. He'll probably average right about four yards a carry. That's what you expect out of a back like Fournette. And I say he finally breaks into double-digit touchdowns, has about 11 or 12. And his receiving numbers will probably be around about the same. He's not that great of a pass catcher. And in comparison to uh, Hunt and Kamara, they're 
completely different style backs. Like Hunt, comparing Hunt to Kamara, that's a fair comparison. They're very much one in the same right, almost. Right. Fournette is like Brandon Jacobs. He's an the old banger. school back where he's just going to keep hitting you and hitting you and right. hitting you. Yeldon, ooh, never mind. No, nope, nope, that ain't going to make a Yeldon statement today. He's just going <laughs> to let that go. But uh, yeah, Fournette. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like he'll improve. I don't think there'll be a sophomore slump from this year. Yeah, for for me, I mean, yeah, like Jacob says, all in how healthy he stays. But uh, you you look at what they added to the offensive line. Um, you got Andrew Norwell, who definitely is going to help because he's a guy that you know he gets blocks on the first level, on the second level, and third level. So we, we're going to see some phenomenal play out of him, and we're going to see some phenomenal runs out of Fournette running behind him. Um, so that being said, um, I'm not as high on him having the season that Jacob said he would have, which is roughly like along the lines of what uh, Le'Veon Bell did last year. I'm more along the lines of a, a season where he, he gets roughly 1,150 yards, maybe 1,200, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, average roughly four yards a carry like Jacob's uh, – yeah, four yards per carry like Jacob said – and, yeah, I, I could see the um, – especially with Norwell in the picture now, I could definitely see the touchdowns going up to roughly 11, 12-ish, somewhere around there. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's more in reason uh, for him. But, I mean, I, at the same time, if he is healthy now, I wouldn't rule out the figures that Jacob just mentioned, basically. But I just – I think, you know, what will be key for him is to stay healthy – um, just looking at his past, he, he roughly averages about three games that he misses going back. They met to his time at LSU. And um, I think that could be problematic if, you know, if he's trying to get upwards of 1,300 yards. SEC, SEC, beat them up, <laughs> beat them up. <laughs> yeah, and um, as far as uh, the, those numbers that you're talking about there, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Last year, 287 carries, uh, 1138 as far as yards, four yards a carry. Le'Veon Bell also averaged four yards a carry, but he had a lot more touches, obviously, through the air as well as on the ground, 321 as far as touches, 1291 yardage uh, for for Le'Veon Bell. But, yeah, that's the whole thing, guys. He's got to stay healthy. And, Jay, we were talking about this a, a little bit before – before Jacob Quint came on, and you know, we were kind of we were kind of mixed and split on the decision to take Leonard Fournette at four, especially with some of the players that were still on the board and available at that time. Um, we went with Jamal Adams, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. We heard that there were rumors that they were very very high on. Um, so to to see them go with Fournette, and and obviously they want to be this run first team, especially if they're going to stick with Blake. There are very lofty expectations on him, and especially with with now. Uh, what we also talked about before we even started, there's only what there are only what maybe three or four, which we'll get into with a depth chart here in a second. But there's only what four backs on the roster right now, I think. Fournette, Tail Lights, Yeldon. Who am I forgetting? Brandon Wiles, who they added to their practice squad last year. Yeah. And um. And Yeldon also, you know, like like we had talked about, also has durability issues um so right. it was we, we thought they would maybe go after somebody like a cj anderson but that obviously did not happen he ended up in carolina so uh, they're obviously very very they have a lot of confidence in him and i just definitely hope as we mentioned that we can that he can stay healthy so right right 
Well, we're definitely very excited, and and what, one thing you definitely can't uh, can't deny is that he he loves being here. So that, that's uh, that's very very exciting. The community has embraced him, and, and he's having a lot of fun. So well, we're very excited to see what he does Jaylen next Ramsey year. But, continues to torch him on Instagram. Right, man, those two. Are, I would tell, I would watch. <laughs> I would watch a show like with with those two man. They're, like they are they are incredible. <laughs> they are. They're back and forth is is hilarious. So it's crazy um, to see like somebody from the offensive bring end. Bring it on Jacksonville. <laughs> it it would be crazy to I mean it's crazy to see somebody from the offensive end and somebody from the defensive end to have like such a like a, a bond like that. It's it's like a little brother and a big brother that's always nagging and joking on each other twenty four seven. Yeah, I would love for them to just have like a, just kind of like a like a riff off with each other or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a wild and out style, <laughs> style right, battle, right. improv comedy be, type deal. It would be incredibly, incredibly entertaining. So, um, but yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, we we kind of touched on when we were talking about when we were talking about the jerseys and how just the attitude of this team is just so different from years past, and how we felt like the jerseys didn't match that attitude, but. You know, it's 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 like at least their their minds are in the right place. But yeah, like I said, like we've mentioned, missed opportunity there. But um, moving on to the next topic here, the final topic we'll speak about here uh, tonight. Um, we mentioned a little bit about the depth chart and what we teased here earlier on was the uh, was the receivers. Now it's it's a pretty crowded uh, receiver group right now, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to leave people out. But of course, we had DJ Chark, which we just who we just signed, Marquise Lee. Uh, Keelan Cole, baby. Uh, who else do we have? Jadon Mickens. Um, still waiting for somebody to make me that Keelan Cole gift. By the way, I I need, I need it in my life. Um, who else? Who else? Yeah, Alan I'm, I'm Lazard. Not, Alan Lazard, the un, un, uh, undrafted guy we picked up, and Dante uh, Green. Green. That's right. I was like, who was that? Uh, who's that guy? We uh, oh, we Shane signed? Wynn coming back. Dean Westbrook. Didi Miller. I forget Didi. Yeah. So uh Yeah, yeah, Miller very, too. Oh. Who they got in undrafted free agency. Yeah, yeah we really had to go look at the roster to figure out who's who. <laughs> right, right. It's so many receivers, man. Yep. So a very crowded receiver room. Um, so just looking at that, looking at those guys and that list of names here, and Jay, we'll start with you on this one. Who do you think is going to, or who has the the ability, or who do you think is going to separate themselves and become our number one receiver? Or do you think we're going to kind of go last year where we just had a whole bunch of twos and threes, and uh, they just kind of took turns? Yes. Yeah, st- statistically, I don't know that somebody will separate themselves. Like I, whoever has the most statistics, I'll put it this way: I don't think like it's going to be that far from the number two guy that that follows behind him. Uh, so. That being said, I think the guy that they view as a number one in terms of of a personnel standpoint and like body wise is probably definitely um, Dante Moncrief because I mean you look at not it's not even so much the money that they gave Dante Moncrief which is like nine million dollars <clears throat> guaranteed, but it's more so you you look at what the Jags had in the past and Dante Moncrief fits the mold of Allen Robinson. The guy that they want to, you know, go deep to that can go up for 50-50 balls. They can jump out the ceiling, runs roughly a 4-4. He's actually faster than Allen Robinson on hand time. Um, A guy that jumped like, you know, roughly 38-inch, 40-inch vert, something along those lines. So, like, I think they view him as a, a 
basically a Robertson type of player. Um, and, and if you look at his catch radius as well, like he has a ridiculous catch radius. And I think that's like part of what stuck out to them on film because when Andrew Luck left the Colts, like Moncrief didn't really have all of that many highlights, if you will. Uh, but you look at his catch radius, it's ridiculous. I think they really like that. And he's going to be the number one with um, Marquise Lee from a experience standpoint being the number two. So I, I think those are the two I have tabbed the top the depth chart. Uh, question. How much of that do you believe that you just said? I mean, I, I truly believe like for now, <laughs> those are the one and two. I think and another thing you probably I know what you're probably hinting at DJ Chark. I don't think they want DJ Chark at the top of the depth chart yet. Because I think he's essentially going to replace, um, what's his name, um, Jadon Mickens as the kick returner. I, like, I mean, like the one thing that we learned about this draft is the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting most of these guys for depth. And for that reason, I feel like they don't even have to rush DJ Chark atop the, the depth chart, even though he probably is their future number one or two. But for now, they, you know, they're not even looking at it like that. You know, they, they're looking at it like, hey, Let's get these veterans up there, and and when Chart comes along, he'll come along. But we don't have to rush him. That is true. I just had to count. We have eleven receivers currently on the roster. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, That's basically, our, we basically can play all How eleven tight receivers. End? <laughs> tight ends. We have one, two, three, four, five, sixteen yeah. members of the receiving core. Jesus Christ. I would rep. You know what? Somebody needs to go ahead and just like draw up a board and just figure out who's going to get cut first. Like, let's just go ahead and get a pool going. 16 (laughs) divided by 53. Like 20%. (laughs) They kept up all those. If they kept all those guys, that's 30% of the roster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not, right? Right. I'm sure it'll it'll be fine. They better hope some of them can play linebacker and cornerback, too. Yeah. And this is partially why I gave Fournette those numbers because looking at this receiving core, there's a lot of potential. But on paper, Marquise Lee is your best receiver. Yeah, I, I get exactly. where you're coming Better from. Be. Yeah. So I'm looking at this right now. I'm seeing Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole will probably get a bigger role this year. Uh, Didi is a first round talent that we got late thanks to you know his off the field issues but he'll probably take a bigger role so that's three right there i look at shark and i got and every time i look at him i go he's a number one or he's a legit number two he's got to get significant playing time so that's four right there rashard green may be the fifth option mickens will still stay special teams I don't know where we're going to put Dante Moncrief in, if we're going to be honest. I don't see where he would go in the play. I see what you're saying, but right. really? Yeah, in all honesty, I, I mean, I really think, I've long thought this, that it was a mistake for them to sign Moncrief. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't think they knew that Chark would be available to them in the second round where they got him. So, like, yeah. that just, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Like, they're just super deep there, so... Um, we wouldn't be having this conversation if somebody would use a franchise tag, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's true. And if that's we didn't true. cut the other one of the brothers, but again, neither here nor there. And also, if we yeah. kept Mercedes Lewis, we wouldn't have five tight ends on the roster. Yep. And another thing like that that you didn't mention, you said um, 
who did you have as like the five, like Rashad Green or Mickens, like as the five and six? I keep like, forgetting about Rashad Green, man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still Rashad on the Green forgets about Rashad Green. But you, I mean, like you got to consider Alan Lazard <clears> in that, like he has to be in the conversation for that five and six too. Now yeah, I'm not, like, not hey, speaking a lot like, of people like him, right? Like because I mean, you look it just it, and it, it relates to what you just said, Jacob. They lost your boy Allen Robinson. Allen Lazard, you look at him and his measurables, he's the biggest guy on this team in, in terms of the depth chart at receiver. 6'4", 227. You look at how they utilized him at Iowa State. And people, some people even thought he would have to play tight end. So this is a guy that, you know, being that you got rid of Mercedes Lewis, being that you got rid of Allen Robinson, the guys that you depended on heavily in the red zone, Alan Lazar has to be considered as a five or six on this team, you know, under under chart. But I mean, that's just me personally. I, I see that. I mean, him and Chark are the same height. Uh, he does have Chark by about thirty pounds. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. But also, I can see him being a tight end, much like um. Let me make sure I get the right Jones right. Matt Jones, Greg Jones. Oh God, Matt Jones. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. I knew I struck it. Ernest Wilford. They did that with him too, didn't they? Oh, Ernest. Oh, man. He was like one of, he, Ernest, <laughs> Ernest is like one of my all time favorite Jaguars, man. I love that guy. He was so cool. Right, right. Hey, he's still working in Jacksonville, giving to the community too. Shout outs to Ernest. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I could see him taking that role as far as getting playing time because, again, look what's in front of you. There's no way you're keeping Keelan Cole and Diddy Westbrook on the sideline for an extended period. No. No. Marquise Lee by default is the old man on campus, so he by default takes the one until he proves otherwise. Mickens is special teams. Rashad Green is special teams. Right. You drafted Shark in the second round for a reason, so there you go. So a whole lot of space. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with receiver. Jacob here too. I feel like I, I just kind of Dante Moncrief was just so underwhelming. All, you know, all around, and, and I just think he'll he'll play himself out. You know, I I, I really expect Keelan Cole to continue to grow, and uh, and I really hope he does, just for this for my own <laughs> selfish reasons. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you can scream Keelan Cole, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> but but like I said, I, I mean, just like you said, Jay, I, I don't think they expected Chark to be there. So to to bring him in and it's probably one of those situations where Moncrief was like, well, damn, you know what I mean? Like now, now what? You know. So, but also the competition may it may be good for him. It's it's going to be good for everybody, hopefully. So, like you said, it's a good problem to have. Here's another thing, though, with the way Bortles plays, Cole and Westbrook are perfect for that screen block. Let him go. Yeah, Marquis Lee to a lesser extent. And then you have the bigger physical receivers. I just don't see where Moncrief falls in play here. I understand you just paid the man about ten. Well, if you mils, play but... eleven receivers, that's less likability, uh, less less chance for him for Blake to throw it to the other team. So oh, who's going to throw it to him? <laughs> yeah, if you have no, if you have just the center and the quarterback and then ten receivers, <laughs> right? Then, then hopefully you can get it to one of them. I don't know. And see, that's why I differ from you at, with um Jacob on which what you said about Moncrief. I think, like I say, I think it was a mistake to sign Moncrief. But part of the reason they signed Moncrief is because you need somebody who can who can make 
ridiculous catches with Blake Bortles because it ain't going to always be on target. <laughs> and I think that's why they put so much money into getting him and, like, they made him a priority when Allen Robinson was gone because, as we saw, the year where Blake Bortles blew up, but it still, to me, wasn't all that good of a year, but the year where he blew up, Allen Robinson had to make a bunch of ridiculous catches to, to get this him true. to the, So, you know, like... They view Dante Moncrief in that same light. They they know what they have in Blake Bortles. They know there are going to be some balls that's going to be like over the top of the, the receiver's heads where you're going to have to make a one-handed over the head, just highlight real type catch. And, I mean, like, I think that explains why, you know, you offer somebody like Dante Moncrief who's been kind of underwhelming so much money. And we'll, we'll see, like, where, where he lays or, or where he stands after the season. But I think, like, at the same time, whatever he does, this this depth chart is so set at receiver, regardless of what he does, he's pretty much expendable. Even even if he gets, like, a 1,000 yards, which I highly doubt, they're probably going to look at it as, like, well, we got chart waiting in the wings. We don't have to pay you. You know what I'm saying? So, again, it's a good problem to have. But I think, yeah. like, Dante Moncrief, in my opinion, he might be out of this equation by next year, regardless of what happens. And that's just my personal opinion, though. It's the better question. What are we going to do at tight end? Play all of them. ASJ, man. He's going he gonna to have to be that number one. So we'll see. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, he didn't go fun. get the tight end like we thought. They didn't do anything really that we thought that we thought they were gonna do in the trip. Like we were so off for months, really. Like we had, like it just. I don't even know why. Like I guess that's the nature of the draft. Like you had no idea. We we ended up having really no idea what they were thinking, even though we had. We, we thought, oh god, it was just a mess that whole weekend. Like it was, we, man. they took who? <laughs> like, right. like and we should have read the tea leaves, man. They. You know, it was it was the writing was on the wall that they weren't gonna do what we what we wanted them to do, but yep. it is what it is. But, <laughs> yeah, let's just throw logic out the window for about three four rounds of the draft. Why not? Right, right. I mean, like, how did we not now? take a quarterback? It's my question. Until we took Lee late, but still, how do you not take a quarterback? Who was probably not even the best quarterback on the board at that time. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, you can argue Chase Litton was better than him, and Chase Litton is not that good in my opinion. But <laughs> you can argue that Chase is better than Tanner Lee. Yeah, I didn't even know who Tanner Lee was. I didn't know. I thought I, I, I had no idea. I was like, well, okay. Well, I mean, I did predict that they were taking a quarterback on day three, but I just didn't know that I was going to be right. someone I had never heard of. Right, so. like we said, look, it didn't necessarily have to be Lamar Jackson, even though that was our personal preference. But even if you don't get Lamar Jackson, okay, that's fine. You don't want to spend a first-round pick, second-round pick on Lamar Jackson. Okay, but the whole issue with uh, Mason Rudolph, you know, you got to make that happen. You know, with being that you, you are in a situation where Blake Bortles, if he mess up this year, you really only got like a one-year window, like just based off how they made the contracts to get quarterback right. So, and apparently they're very, very comfortable with uh, the w- with the Cleveland the Browns quarterback. Whoever, what was whatever his name? What's Cody his name? Kessler. Cody Kessler. See, I can't even remember his name, man. Like that's, the USC quarterback that did that hasn't panned out. Right. 
We'll see. Well, maybe Kessler proves us wrong, man. We, it's some people that expect Kessler to give Bortles a run for his money. Personally, now I mean I ain't. Yeah, we, we said that about um, we said that about that Bills quarterback that came over to challenge Gabbert. Remember uh, what was that guy's name? Lossman. Not Lossman. It was another quarterback. Um, hold on, I gotta look it up because it's gonna bother me. Uh, Jaguars quarterbacks. Um, but then God. we were young and naive, though. Yeah, Phil, give me a second know? while I look it up. <laughs> we we weren't nearly as good as uh, analysts are as we are today. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, we you know now uh, we're, now we're uh, with USA please, Today. So <laughs> Trent Edwards, remember Trent Edwards? Yeah. Trent Edwards yes, came I over did. like, oh, he's gonna challenge. It was with Gerard actually when he was there. Like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna challenge Gerard uh, for the for the starting job, and he played I think one game. And it was just a disaster. Yes. I look back at myself <laughs> back then and, and statements like that and say, how could you, you know, <laughs> how could you say that? All right. Question. I saw that way. Who's the second best quarterback in Jaguars franchise history? Leftwich or Garrod? Garrod. Yeah, Garrod. Garrod led the much, but it's Garrard. Garrard led the team to two playoff runs, and then the the we lost in the that one playoff run because we played Leftwich over Garrard. That's true. This is true. Because we all know nobody's touching Mark now. It's actually Todd Bauman. <laughs> it's John Deere tractor, right? <laughs> Todd Bauman, and then uh, followed by uh, Jay Fiedler. Oh my. <laughs> man, that, that quarterback history just made me sad in itself, man. Ooh, Lord. I mean, as much as I really I I'm obviously a very well documented non Blake Bortles supporter. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard. Uh, really? Couldn't tell. Blake Bortles as well as uh and and Dave or Blaine Gabbert. My still the quarterback I hated the most in our history is Jonathan Quinn. I don't know if you remember that guy, Jay. I hated Jonathan Quinn, and whatever he would come into the game, they'd be like, "Oh well, this game, this game is over," because he is the worst quarterback to ever play the game of football. He was so wow. bad. And when you said was, that, I was like, "Wait, Quinn, so great!" Awful. But you said Jonathan Quinn. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that guy, but he was he was terrible. Oh God, I hate Look, him. man, I didn't watch so much. You've gotten way off topic. I, I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten way off topic here. I'm not even sure what what, what the original conversation <laughs> was, but. But yeah, man. Like I said, you know, it's it's the off season, and uh, we got we got training camps coming up in a, in a couple months. But we're just kind of trying to give y'all as much content as we we possibly can, trying to con- trying to keep this momentum going, especially after the incredible support that we got from last week. So once again, thank you, thank you very much. So um, yeah, guys, is there anything else you wanted to plug? You know, what's coming up? What kind of projects you're working on, either inside or outside of the Jaguars wire? Uh, Jacob will let you go first. Um, more of the same old, same old, just filling in as necessary and coaching because I have no life outside of basketball <laughs> and football. Um, speaking of which, where are the new kids joining us? Uh, That's a good question, Jay. Boss. Podcast? Yeah, man. Like <laughs> Wesley, man. Wesley live in Atlanta. That's all you need to know about him. He probably still stuck in traffic as we speak. So. <laughs> yeah, he probably left, probably left work at 4 p.m. and still not home. And Clint is going to beat traffic. And Clint is actually working on an article as we speak. Or uh, he told me he would, but he might have fell asleep at the computer, which I couldn't blame him for. But Clint was doing an article on 
uh, the Jags' top five players under 25. So expect that. But they, they do, both of them do want to join us in the near future. They told me that uh, just, just busy guys and, you know, around this time in the evening when we record, they're typically coming home from work. And if I'm not mistaken, both of them are from, like I said, Wesley's from Atlanta. And I think Clint is from uh, the Birmingham area. So, you know, traffic is a is a mug, man. Well, um, you know, as far as uh, me out here in out here in Dallas, got a couple shows coming up. Um, uh, there's on Friday. Well, Friday is a private show, but on uh, May 20th, private show you would say. What's up? <laughs> private show you. Say. I mean, it's it's a private show, but like it's at a it's it's a it's it's a house show. So for those oh, of you just, who are uh-huh. for those of you who are un uh, unfamiliar with with kind of like with the comedy world, so this is what like. So these are really cool. I've I've done one of these before. So this is literally a house show where you go to somebody's house and you, they you they pay you to put on a show. You do jokes and all that kind of stuff, and then afterwards it turns into a house party. So I don't know how much of this show I'm going to remember, but uh, I'm really excited to do that out in Arlington here this Friday. But at the end of the month, May twentieth, um, we're doing the Red Room at, at the at Plano Hyenas, which is a premium comedy showcase, which is really dope. It's a lot of fun. It's a more intimate setting. Uh, maybe sits between like 30 to 40 people. But we have some awesome comics um, coming out there. Luis Juarez, Lawrence Rosales, Charity Lester, Luciano, uh, Mitchell Clemens, and uh, Kailana, Kailana Sp- uh, Spiller, along with myself. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Really, really limited tickets as far as that. So if you'd like to come to that, please let me know. Um, I'm, as always, I'm at uh, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I, P-I-N-O, and also episode one and two of my other podcast, uh, the uh, what's the name of it? The Way, <laughs> the Way For It podcast with me and Eric Cerna. Those two episodes are out where we are talking about the first two rounds uh, or the first round of the Disney bracket that we've been working on. So that's what we've been. That's what I've had uh, going on there. So, so Jay, what, what, what does everybody have to, to look forward to here in the next coming weeks from the Jaguars Wire? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be studying the rookie mini camp that they got coming up on, uh, what is it, I think the, uh, the 11th through the 13th. And, uh, of course, you know, they, they invited some guys, um, some you know, some guys off of off the street, basically. Uh, the rookies, of course, will participate from the 2018 draft class, you know, Taven and Brian, those guys, as well as the undrafted guys. So I'm going to be watching that closely. Um, I might even go to Jacksonville um, if the media is allowed to attend to it. I know the public can't, but um, that's pretty much going to be my main focus. Um, as I said, I'm going to also be doing appearances on uh, Fox Sports Radio Valdosta uh, with my man Phil Jones, who uh, he, he's been uh, hitting me up, want to talk some Jags, want to talk some draft, want to talk on the outlook of the season. And um, that's pretty much it. After that, you know, it's, it's focusing on training camp. So, um, you know, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, man. So just, you know, of course, make sure you give us a follow at the Jaguars Wire on Twitter as well as Facebook. Make sure you're subscribing to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audio Boom. Well, I don't know about you guys, but this is a lot of fun. But I got some Fortnite some to play, and I got some Thanos uh, to, to try out as far as uh, getting on this uh, on this Fortnite. So, guys, thank you so much once again for joining us, Jacob. Jay, as always. And uh, Jaguar fans, stay safe. Miles Jack was not down. Y'all have a good night. (laughs) Jesus.